is I'm like boggled. Are these two computers or is these this? These are two separate laptops. Wow. <laughs> I can't. This setup is incredible. <laughs> Welcome to Longform Conversations, the podcast about longform improv. Today, we have a very special guest today, someone who I have uh, been looking up to for a long time. Please welcome my Darman. Wow. Thank you for having me. Oh, uh, my pleasure. That's so sweet. Uh, so uh, really quick, just to introduce you and get your bio down. You are, I believe, a, a improviser, a writer. Do you do sketch? You look like a stand-up. <laughs> I look like a stand-up? look like you could do some stand-up. Um, hmm. No, I don't do sketch. I took one sketch class, mm -hmm. and I found that the homework element was not conducive to my ADD. I simply... Um, I would write the sketches 20 minutes before class and then call up uh, Aaron Smith and see if I could use her printer and I would oh, be wow. late every single time. So it was the printing aspect you think that got it was the printing aspect. It was the planning. And um, uh, I, I would also just forget, forget about the sketches. Um, and I can't, uh, you can't force a premise in 10 minutes and like hit three beats. Um, we do it all the time in improv. We do it in improv. But it, I think it takes two. Um, and when you're alone and you're like playing uh, chess with yourself, it's like mm -hmm. it's the stupidest thing ever. That's not what sketch writing is. I, sketch writing is not stupid and it's not playing chess with yourself. I love sketch writing, actually. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Already issuing apologies. Uh, okay. Any other There's things? There's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> uh, are you going to add anything else to your multi hyphenate? I dance. No, I don't dance. Um, I can't. <laughs> let's see. I no, no. Just, uh, just, just gonna be actor. improv and writing. I've actually never really Consider done. Consider yourself an actor? No, I, I don't think I'm a good actor. But I, you know, I would like to be, um, better. I think I want to take like an acting class. I think that would help the improv. <laughs> Fair. It's enough. all geared towards that. Uh, well, um, I like to start off with just a little bit of banter. Okay, uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't need to preface that. But uh -huh. uh, you know what? It's for the the viewers. Right. Okay, so like, why are they why are they talking, talking to each other? What the it was pre-planned. It's called producing, baby. Um, some banter. Oh God. Uh, uh, well, uh, <laughs> you got something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no need to panic. You're in good hands. Uh, I want to start by saying I checked out the uh, the We Made It Shag Takeover last night at UCB. You did amazing. Wow. Thank you for going to that. Uh, it was so fun. And it's so cool to play with people I haven't ever played with. Now, is that something that uh, y'all came up with or did Jake come to you for that? Because I think that's uh, such a great opportunity to welcome on. I think I saw a couple of um, Instagram stories. I'm heavily on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, but it's like my first time on UCV or it's like, this is so amazing. I get a chance to play with like, you know, people I admire. So where it's did that come from? So cool. I mean, uh, Shag does host the like monthly jam, I think, um, at the clubhouse. And I, what happened was Jake just had that slot and was like, oh, do you want it? <laughs> um, but it, I, I don't think it's like a regular thing. But hey, Jake, maybe it should be. <laughs> No, but yeah, Jake was so nice to let us use the Wii slot at UCB. Um, I had fun. I've been discovering um, 
Yeah, that just sometimes in the panic, a lot of unexpected things come up. And I, because now that we're doing like more and more UCB shows and that used to feel like the, the highest stakes, which feels embarrassing to say, but it was like, it just felt like how, I don't know, being on that stage is uh, so intimidating, but it, I think, is a great environment for surprising moves. Yeah. Sort of a generic thing to say, but yeah. Well, you know, speaking of that, that highest stage, mm -hmm. we're now performing regularly there now um, right. on Lloyd. I don't yes. know if I ever got a chance to formally uh, congratulate you. I might Thank have double tapped <laughs> a story, but congratulations on making Lloyd. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so um, fun, and but also scary. Like again, that um, Harold Harold's scary. Yeah, that guy is creepy. That guy is so creepy. And he keeps coming back like two, three times. And like, yeah, if you plan things right, he could come back three times. Yeah. Usually though, just two, and then he gets cut <laughs> just off. Two and a half sides. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and I love your team, Bad Kisser. How you get you. along with that? How are you liking uh, Dickie Copeland? They're great. I love the team. They're so cool. And I think I, I feel I'm so happy that that UCB was finally ready to have like an all ladies team. Uh, I couldn't believe it that there hasn't been like an all women's herald before or anything like that. Um, it's so funny, too, because um, I don't know where you started, but I started doing improv in Orange County, and that's something that they've been doing for like years before that. So I was like, oh, yeah, it seems like a really smart um, way to, uh, uh, you know, get more people encouraged to take improv, but also just like yeah. a really good marketing thing. Just be like, hey, it's, you know, we ladies got the lady. Yeah, so like, why uh, not do it? Why not do it? Yeah, it's also, there's a different energy on an all women's team. Um, it's just so nice and and Dickie is like so cool and so I excited also about it which makes us feel like this is cool uh and it's just a short run and like I'm just excited to see already just we've only had one show mm -hmm. and two practices and already I'm like this is great and um I just want to be everyone's friend <laughs> another crazy lie yeah Okay, not going to self-edit anymore. Crazy. Yeah. I've done two banters. Your turn to banter back. Banter back. Um, okay. What was your first impression of me? No, I'm kidding. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> On camera? <are> you... <laughs> What's your favorite team? No, uh, do you... Shag, easy. <laughs> do you feel... This is kind of a big question. Um, what do you feel you have or like do you have stuff in the store for glass clown do you get do you like plan ahead or are you kind of like take shows as we as it, they come and like go with the flow that's a very good question that is not banter <laughs> oh no fuck. okay wait no no banter. i'll answer i'll answer that. i think that's a very fair you put a lot of time and thought to it but it's just like how was your day what you right for oh shit. <laughs> uh 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 so for those of you that don't know i'm on a, a team called glass clown i would say it's uh uh, like my main team right now, I, I love them all. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, they all know this. So this is, should be no secret to anybody in Glass Clown. Yeah, I got plans. I'm like the one <laughs> making moves. I'm the one that's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you submitted to festivals? Wouldn't it be cool if you started doing sketches? Let's submit for a, a show at uh, UCB. So there are definitely plans. And uh, I'm not afraid to say it or take credit for it because I am the guy pushing for it. Hey, let's do a podcast where I interview you. <laughs> um, okay, so 
here's here's the deal with me is that I am so slow at uh, understanding like broader strokes, like how to be a person, how to exist in the world and how to like communicate with people. And then on just sort of a micro level, I'm like, now I'm remembering like, oh yeah, so so in podcasts, <laughs> this is the time when people tell a funny story from their driveover. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> okay, um, so what'd you have for lunch, dude? Mediterranean food. They had okay. uh, I did Uber Eats because I had a busy uh, afternoon. Mm -hmm. And uh, a plug, a promotion for, um, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name. I remember, all I remember is that PETA's in the name, but on Uber Eats, they have a buy one, get one free special. Ooh. So I got two uh, chicken skewer meals. But the, isn't that like so, too much of the same? No. Like you're gonna have it tomorrow? Uh, I ate both of them. <laughs> I have, because I've had, and to be fair, I've had it before, you know, and like, I always, I used to do that, like, oh, I have one for lunch, one for dinner, yeah. one for dinner, and one for lunch the next day. Uh, not feeling enough. I had toast with avocado and egg. Oh, I, you didn't ask me, but I'm just <laughs> volunteering. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't make this weirder. No. Um, and you made it yourself? Yeah, I made myself. Well, Saved yourself $11. Congratulations. But there, I will say the, the, luxury of uh uber eating something oh it feels so good to just know you're taken care of and it's just gonna arrive but um no i did i do something which i call the best of both worlds um in my head to myself i don't think i've said this out loud but i i buy like nice bread um and then what with one piece of bread i just do a simple you know avocado egg to toast situation and then with the other bread um cream cheese and locks and some dill and it's the best of both worlds it's the perfect breakfast which i eat for lunch because i love i love breakfast foods absolutely um, this feels more vulnerable than talking about improv we, we, okay talking about my weird lunch i'm just gonna ask you one more question we can uh, we're gonna drift no 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 please more fantastic <laughs> i'll get it right <laughs> uh you said the best Soon. of both worlds so I just want to make it clear. One world was cream cheese and locks. The other world was eggs and avocado toast. You got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's why I call it that. Yeah, because I always want smoked salmon, but it can't be the whole meal. Mm. You need other things. Yeah, a balanced meal. You need a balanced meal. You can't have cream cheese. And also it's vegan cream cheese because I'm uh, not good with dairy. All right. Great. <laughs> well, that has been banter with my Darman. Painless, smooth banter. Perfect. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to our first segment now. Uh, <laughs> this segment is called Improvster Syndrome. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to uh, hear about Mai's journey as an improviser, how she got to where she is now. And then, of course, if anybody's listening and you know feels moments of imposter syndrome, you can kind of Rest assured that you are, have overcome it or you're still going through it. Mm -hmm. Or you can write in. Is there an email that they can email uh, No email. <laughs> well, it's my email, but I actually don't want to. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. So at David D. Long on Instagram. Yeah. And I will field those DMs. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up here uh, in North Hollywood and um, I did not do any theater or acting or any improv 
stuff growing up. Um, Can I ask what you were like in high school? Sure. Yeah, I was a real dweeb. Uh, <laughs> uh, if it was Breakfast Club, which which one were you? Oh, Ali mm, okay. Because I'm like I would I would be the oh the kid who brought a gun. <laughs> No, 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 no. He brought a gun to school. Brian, the, the brain. Yeah, because I thought about I was like, well, no, well, I would be the girl who's in like all black. What's yeah. her name? Um, I don't know the actress is Ali Sheedy. I don't know. The yeah, Ali Sheedy. But then I was like, well, I wouldn't be her because she's a little gross. Like she's shaking out like dandruff, dandruff. from her hair. And I would not do that. That's pretty nasty. Um, and then I was like, who's the other nerd? Oh, Some people the... do with dandruff and it's fine. It's not gross. It's I don't mean that dandruff <laughs> is gross. I mean the act of sort of like shaking it out of your head. What's um, she supposed to do? Leave it in her scalp? Well, is that, do you, if you're dealing with dandruff and you're like in a social setting, you're like, time to, time to let out the flakes. <laughs> I gotta uh, maybe, yeah, you know what? This might be more telling on me. Uh, to me, that was detention. To, to me, that was like, we're like, we have nothing else better to do. So I, I guess I read it. My reading of that scene was not she's gross. It was that like, look, I'm going to clip my nails or bite my nails. Yeah. I was going to clip them anyways. I right. might as well do it during detention. Hellish. Absolutely not. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't clip your toenails in detention? No. Okay. Fair enough. And yeah, anyways, I was like pretty nerdy and I didn't do um, any like performing arts. I didn't do the plays or anything like that. Um, I was like a very good student and I was really uh, into like being right and being a good student and um, being the best student. Um, But yeah, I desperately wanted validation from teachers and uh, specifically like English, English teachers. Um, Sounds healthy uh yeah i i just like wanted to to do well and to or to do not just do well but like for them to like recognize i i sound psychotic i really wasn't like a little like dictator or anything like that i just wanted them to get me sure um Um, but don't feel self-conscious i was a little i was like that too i was like a straight a student if i wasn't i used to like tell teachers like I pulled this card a lot. I pulled this card. It's like, look, like I really want to go to a good college. I can't get this. Oh game. my God. What can I do for extra credit? Cause I understand I messed up on this test or this essay, but like, wow. let me make up for it. If I'm going to do more than what's asked of me or the other students, why can't that bring me back up to an A minus? That's, that's wild. I think that's and actually used to be like, Oh, can you just clean up my class? <laughs> like, cause I think they were like, like, and I think most teachers like, Oh, like David's smart. David's a hard worker. So it's just like, let's just, this kid is like, I'm trying to have lunch. I'm just trying to wow. take it easy. Let's just give him that A minus and make him do Okay, stuff. so that's interesting. Cause that, I think that's impressive. I was never able, I never did like. Before you're too impressed though, like it was just academics and schoolwork. Yeah. Outside of that, uh, much like you, I was uh, uh, also like pretty much othered. But I didn't know it. Oh no, that's the worst I guy. Know. So the whole time I thought like, man, these, these everybody loves me or they're like jealous of me. David, that's crazy. I know it's crazy. So I just want you to feel that it's safe to talk about uh, how hard you had in high school because I was delusional in thinking like, well, I have like straight A's, therefore yeah. everybody wants to be me. Wow. No. Okay. So that's so funny. I don't have any friends from high school. No uh, leftover, by the way. <laughs> so where I think we were different brands of nerdware. I had my like 
nerd girl group we were just sort of the shy quiet girls um kept ourselves but we're all really nice like I think that was sort of the defining trait of the group um which I'm like looking back I'm like great I love that Mm -hmm. but uh with what you were just saying of like going up to the teacher and like advocating for yourself uh I was absolutely not going to do that I like I wanted to do well but also I have generally I think a pretty like a slacker mentality but I'm like I I'm not ambitious I want to do well but I also am like I'm never gonna be the person who like stays after school and like meets with the teacher and gets even if I'm like really struggling I like don't want to go to the teacher and ask for clarity or whatever Mm -hmm. I want to have sort of an innate (laughs) uh, (laughs) understanding and like talent for it or else like I'll just suffer quietly um so I it's just like two warring things but I think that's like ADD where you're like um I want to do so well and I want it to be perfect but my my intense procrastination will not allow me to do that so um given what I have like what I mean by that is like three hours between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. when I have to write like a 12 page essay. I'm like, that's actually not bad what I did, like given the parameters that I gave myself um, or cursed myself with. That that was okay, and that's kind of still a little bit of a problem for me where um, an issue with the sketch class too, where it's like if I give myself the time to do this, if I really like sat down and had better time management skills. Um, I could maybe achieve something that I'm really proud of. But since I don't, the stuff I do achieve, I'm like, well, you know what? For uh, someone who was panicking in the middle of the night, this is pretty good. <laughs> um, and that's how college was as well. I was just like, yeah. I don't mean to psychoanalyze you, but uh-huh. I do have a, a question that I think may be helpful for folks. But if you don't want to answer No, let's go. don't want to answer You it. come to the improv podcast to... <laughs> <laughs> Because I find that this is true for a lot of improvisers, a lot of people in Los Angeles, a lot of creatives, in fact. Mm. Uh, Do you think that you don't want to put in the time or the energy? Or actually, how about this? If you did put in the time and the energy to, like, work on that sketch or to, you know, uh, study for the class, do you think you'd be more disappointed by the results? Of course, of course. It's a way to protect yourself. Mm. Um, Yeah, 100%. And then it really is impressive when you do well, because <laughs> then you're like, well, maybe I didn't do the best, mm-hmm. but I, I like did something kind of superhuman, which is literally I've had many time, many nights um, or many nights in college where it was like, <laughs> I once had to write, um, I had a creative writing class and we needed by the end of it to have like a portfolio of all this work and these assignments and and she had trusted us that over time we were doing those assignments and then by the end you turn in the portfolio so this is the work of a full semester um short stories and poems and things like that and that was due and i hadn't done like any of it so i was like great that's okay i have all night to create all this stuff and at um midnight or even later i was like i've never watched i think i maybe told you this but i was like i've never watched apocalypse now 
and so I was like, I think I'm going to do that actually right now. And so <laughs> I was, in the, in the middle of the night, <laughs> I remember it was like snowing out. I was like, uh, what am I? No, I wasn't typing. I was watching the movie. And then I was like, <laughs> and it was making me very anxious because I knew I had this huge thing, but I was like, I just got to get this out of the way. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, at like 5 a.m. I wrote all this stuff and it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's sort of how I live my life. I think that's very common. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, now the question is, how did that uh, procrastinator find improv? Yeah, so I, I didn't do any comedy and I didn't do any improv, like no college improv. And I think it would have been like, I don't think I would have been accepted if I had, because I think the NYU vibe around that is probably like really intense and competitive. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, that I didn't do that. And um, I, I took like a one-off acting class and that was fun. Um, and then only at the end of the experience did I, I took like one screenwriting class and I was like, oh shit, this is cool. Um, Interesting, senior yeah. year. Senior year, last semester, just for fun. Uh, was it really for fun though? Or was it something that you always enjoyed? Because the type of person that watches Apocalypse Now is really being a, <laughs> You know, yeah. like must have been a cinephile. You grew up in North yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, I was, I was um, a cinephile, uh, as much as like a high schooler can be, because you're your own curator. Like, it, it's it is very funny what you stumble upon in the weird, um, like the vault that you're pulling from from high school. But yeah, so I did. I watched a lot of movies in high school, and I was big into that. And it was. Um, my secret i have to stop fidgeting with this it's gonna make a lot of noise um my it was like my secret uh passion uh because my shy girl friends i don't think they were as into that um in college in in uh high school, in high school. so yeah in college i was like still watching a lot of movies and then Did I you didn't have friends to talk to you about films and stuff in in high school I had like two okay the rest they also had their own like niche things um yeah, it's because we were nerds, but we weren't like weird. Like, I think you can have the nerds that are like the theater nerds and they're kind of like um, a little more freaky. But I think we were like pretty buttoned up and a little repressed. Um, yeah, like you're cl closeted about your like nerd. Um, whereas like theater uh, kids, like they have an, uh, an outlet to express yeah. or to, like, to, to share it with one another. They, they seem to me in my eyes feral theater theater kids crazy mm. the vibe is i'll say it unpleasant i'm just kidding um i actually I did theater in high school <laughs> <laughs> i knew i'd have to apologize you kept you kept like, like inching for yeah it, waiting for it to what, stop me what should i say before you'll admit it they're feral uh, <laughs> they don't shower they clip their toenails in public <laughs> All um, right. Uh, uh, so yes. college, you finally found a, a something that you really enjoyed in screenwriting. Yes. In the last sort of five minutes of college, I was like, fuck. And then I moved back home and had no idea what I was doing. And um, I took what some, a lucky place to be from then. So lucky. <laughs> so lucky. I would not. My life would be very different. Um, I'm very, very lucky. I don't understand how like, I don't know, without the privilege of like ha being able to move back home after college and like 
regrouping and making money while you're not like paying rent and stuff. I don't know how people move here. Um, like it's crazy. Um, so I lived at home for a long time uh, and it sucked. And I do feel like that was a big chunk of my 20s was like living at home and just trying to save money. And uh, I like how we're still on the improvster thing because we spent so much time talking about high school, college. Um, but all this is to say that I, in my first two classes, um, I uh, was very, very anxious, very, very anxious and apologetic and um, said sorry every single sentence like every single move that I made I would be like oh, I'm sorry um and yeah so I found I, I ultimately found my way to UCB and did just the UCB stuff and the only other school of improv that I've ever done is like we um mm-hmm. I, I never took any like IO or, or anything like that may I ask uh how old you were when you started and can you tell us about your um like first couple of classes at 101 your experience yeah um I think I was I would have moved back from college and then probably like a year uh, how old are you when you graduate college 22 23 23. I was probably like 23 um yeah first class first teacher no I don't want any names um my no he was great he was great uh Paul Welsh he was really really good and it was crazy I was like oh this is a different language. I've never, I, he, he was so impressive to me. Um, and I remember the early shows that I watched too, they left like a really strong impact. Um, I, the, the first class, I had no idea what I was doing, like at all. And I still am haunted by some scenes from the class. And this is a long fucking time ago. And I can still recall like choices I made that I'm like, what? <laughs> Oh my God. Um, so, and I really, and then 201 was also pretty painful. I had a great teacher and I liked the class a lot. And then I, I, I don't know why I took a break. I think it's, I maybe it started working and was trying to save more money to, to pay for the next class probably because they're so expensive. Was 201 challenging for you? Because I know for a lot of folks, that's like the one that gets them. Incredibly, incredibly. Uh, 101, 201. And 301 were very challenging, mm. very challenging. Um, and I never felt like I get it now because I also think I, I really bumped against a lot of um, like words in space, uh, certain language that's used that is what, you know how there's, you know, UCB has like the language that they teach you. And I was like, this is gibberish. <laughs> what are you, you can't just attribute new meaning to these existing phrases. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, what, like there's certain things like just justification for a long time. I was like, I understand, but it's just strange to me or, or framing or things like that, that I'm like, I don't know what you, you're talking about. Yeah. And a lot um, of times, because we don't, we know what justification means, you know what label means, Yeah, but to them, it's like, no, that's not a justification or that's I mean, not granted, that's maybe a bad example because those <laughs> things are kind of one-to-one, but there are certain phrases that I, I couldn't quite understand. And it's very hard to learn a premise. It's very hard to learn a herald, I think. Yeah, and it's so interesting to me looking back that those classes are all about premise and herald, and they're not really teaching you. Well, they you do a lot of organic stuff as like warm ups and mm-hmm. whatnot, but um, you're you're like 
ultimately trying to build out the Herald. Very hard. Yeah. Herald's and hard. you started finding more joy or appreciation in it in 401? 401, it felt felt a lot more secure because in 301, I had kind of met my like people and I formed my first indie team. Oh. Um, yeah, shout out to Trapper Keeper. Uh, love them Great forever. Uh, and people that I still play with to this day and love so much. Once that happened in 301 uh, we, and we started to perform at the clubhouse, then... 401 felt so much more manageable because I, I was like, wait, I actually, this is, I know what I'm doing a little bit. I didn't, but I felt a little more secure in it. Um, yeah, because, but, but that said, I would always driving to the training center and from the training center, I would just scream in my car because I was like so anxious and so upset. <laughs> was that off of nerves or was that off of wanting to do a good job? Nerves and, and regret. Like when I would drive back, I would just be silent for a minute and then be like, fuck, fuck. And just flashes, flashes of like panicked, sweaty choices I had made. Mm -hmm. uh, when really a lot of those situations, there's no right answer set up to fail a little bit. Not, not like in a malicious way, but in a way that that's just how you learn uh the exercise is going to be unpleasant mm -hmm. uh so going back to this now you finished ucb what is your post ucb improv career so to speak look like now uh, Trapper keeper, let's clubhouse. See. right so i had i had my first indie team and then i was taking i took a bunch of academy classes at the time it was called i don't know if they still do that uh you had to audition to get into academy did you do that so I was doing that and those classes were really fun. And we were, we were starting to perform. I always told my team when they reached out, actually Aaron Smith like created the team. And this is someone that we still know and see a lot. So it's cool, but she, she instigated it. And I responded being like, happy to be on this team. I personally have no plans of performing ever. And I do not want to be a part of that. So I will come to practices, but I will not be going oh. to the clubhouse was that was my stance because I was so anxious. Uh, they did convince me. And so I started to perform and it felt very stressful, even though now to me, the clubhouse is like the lowest stakes imaginable. Uh, it's just friends watching friends and being supportive. But it pre-pandemic, the vibe was different. I agree, yeah. It was rough. So was doing a lot of that, finished UCB, and started to do we actually, right before the pandemic. Or not right before, like for a while. And those shows were interesting. They were, they required different skills, I felt, like the moving art space. Uh, and then right as I felt, I was starting to get in a groove and I was like improving my, and my, my first team kind of disbanded and I started joining other teams, which is such a strange feeling. Cause I think your first team feels so intimate and so intense. Mm -hmm. And then the other teams you're, you're trying to like recreate that intimacy um, then the pandemic happened and then I did Zoom improv for a long time. And now it's 
it's so different. It feels so different in a good way. feels a lot better mm-hmm. now. Uh, not just as like a player, but also like the perspective. It's not life or death. Doing a bad set is fine. It's okay. Yeah. I uh, think, you know, like losing UCB, kind of just losing whatever you'd call that, like the mainstream or the, the big three for two and a half years, like really put things into perspective, especially for me, uh, um, really everything was so high stakes. I remember every time I took a class or every time I did a show, I was like, I need to prove to everybody, this is that little kid again. It's yeah. just like, what can I do to get this A? You want me to clean I, the theater? Yeah. I'll clean the theater. Take more classes, take more <laughs> workshops. I'll do it. And then now it is so much more of just like, oh, I don't care. Now I have to have That's that said, I do care. I care a lot. And I do get anxious still. The stakes actually are very <laughs> high. <laughs> I just mean, it's, it's not. You're uh, not afraid to fail. I, oh, no, no, I am afraid to fail. <laughs> I'm very afraid to fail. I, you know what it is? It's that I, ha- I fail a little less. And mm-hmm. I think that feels good. <laughs> and I think that if I, but that's what happens right before, right when you like plateau. Because, you know, when you're like growing and getting better, it's very painful mm-hmm. and intense. And then you plateau for a while, you feel comfortable. And then you hit that next like step of growth. And I think right now I'm in sort of a comfortable plateau and I'm about to be hit by a painful um, lesson. And I I hope because you always end up better for it. But no, I don't think so. I think uh, (laughs) you have this feeling now or you know what it's like to, um, uh, should I say, succeed, you know, or like, like you meant, like you mentioned, like the pain painful part of it's kind of over I think that hopefully not in a way that you're trying to chase that high but just in a way that like you know how it's supposed to feel so hopefully as you continue to grow and prosper in this community you'll know how to like kind of reset back to that mind space yeah and and there's also I I say I feel comfortable but then there's once a a month or like multiple times a month I will have a week where I feel I'm like, what? I don't understand improv at all. Is this, am I doing anything? Is this funny? What is the point of this? Um, And it's more about when you're in a set and you're kind of throwing out your little tricks and nothing's working and you're like, oh, I don't actually know how to do this at all. But it's just an off night. But I have that thought very often. And then I'm like, I got to take a class or something and shake it up because it nothing feels worse than seeing yourself do your little trick and it not like working and you're like well that's because it's contrived and because i kind of have i'm relying on this old crutch and this is supposed to be spontaneous and new present. yeah mm-hmm. present well it works on me so keep those keep those tricks that come in perfect uh, i have one last question about this and if you don't want to answer, if you want to cut it out, happy to do this. Okay. Because uh, I think this is a hard question. I don't want you to feel pressured to answer it. But like, what make, uh, uh, and I think you're also like the right person to ask. What do you think makes we different? Or what do you think was good about that community that allowed you to stretch in a way that you maybe didn't feel you could at other places? I guess it was like just new people, people I hadn't seen before. And, and it was very 
isolated weirdly i don't know i don't know but now i know that it's it's nice because i didn't treat it like a community i wasn't good at making friends at the time i felt very like i'm here with my team and i'm just talking to my team and that's all this is we're going to stand outside for a few minutes i'm just going to talk to my team even though i think everybody's really funny i'm not going to like approach anyone because it's scary uh, but now I think the benefit of Wii is, is the community. Everyone's so nice and chill and sweet. Um, All right, great. Well, uh, thank you so much for sharing your improv journey with us. That has been Improvster Syndrome. Super concise, super <laughs> linear and quick. Yeah, I'm not going to edit that at yeah. all. <laughs> Please, please edit it. All right, but uh, here's a, our next segment. And I actually do not intend on editing this. I want us to get deep and I want us to really like talk about this and get as specific as you want. I think that this is, I think that's the, the audience I'm trying to target. Okay. And this is going to be our topic of the week. Yes. And this topic is something that I really want to talk to you about. Our topic is going to be, can funny be taught? I also thought of a better way of wording it. I know I told you it was going to be, can funny be taught? Yeah. But it's kind of like, is, is a sense of humor nature versus nurture? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I, I particularly wanted to talk to you about this because uh, you are someone that I think and get ready to have a, a compliment. Oh, no. <laughs> I think you are like so naturally and effortlessly funny. Oh. Now I heard how the sausage gets made is just your old bag of tricks. But to me, it works. <laughs> So I want to ask you what you think about like uh, uh, funniness and also like, how did you, how do you think you got that or found that? Wow. Thank you so much. I think you're so funny. Uh, and I'm very curious to hear what you think about yeah. this. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think, I like to think that it can be taught. Uh, I, it, it can be taught because I've seen people get better and I've seen people learn and like watch each other and pick things up and and people who <laughs> i've seen unfunny people become funny <laughs> <laughs> there it is you said the quiet I... part out loud <laughs> that said mm -hmm. i think uh there are of course those people that step out and you're like whoa you gravitate towards them when you when you're watching a show and they do seem to have some sort of innate understanding of timing or there may be like a huge character that it's just they can't uh change that they're just being themselves mm -hmm. i of course acknowledge that there are those those people but as someone who's been a little bit more reserved uh and has felt like hmm well if i'm not like gonna be the loudest am i funny or if i'm not gonna i think it can be learned uh and that's that's what UCB was helpful for me, mm -hmm. or how how it like just there are rules, there are things that can make you funny. My brother has, my brother uh, was talking to me the other day, and he's never done any comedy or any performance or taken any of these classes. Uh, he had to do a speech at a wedding, and he called me while he was like writing it, and kind of I think he was getting excited about like jokes <laughs> and he's like it's free. he's like you know it's like all about timing <laughs> it's like yeah uh and him discovering he didn't that have to pay five thousand dollars to learn he that he didn't have to pay any <laughs> money to learn that he did an incredible speech and he um 
just seeing him discover the joy of that creation made me like anyone can watch enough stuff and figure it out and anyone could get better by watching good people uh, perform and copying them. Mm -hmm. I think imitation is like everything. I think you like watching your heroes and doing your version of what they're doing because it's not going to be what they're doing. It's not even going to, no one will even know that that's what you're referencing uh, most of the time. I'm really glad you brought that up because that actually is a perfect segue into what I was going to say, because I do agree that it can be taught. There's obviously a whole school about it. And like you said, we've seen people come in unsure of themselves and come off like able to tear that stage apart being so funny. I also know because like I've like taught coworkers how to be funny. I taught them the formula of like setting a pattern, breaking that pattern, and then ways to continue to (laughs) break that pattern in surprising ways. Right. So that part, the formula of it obviously can be taught, but what you're saying, uh, you know, that's just, one shade of being funny. Right. Um, and, and one thing that I've noticed a lot, and you, you see this with a lot of like, like a lot of bros, a lot of dudes, yeah. a lot of salesmen, right? Like they are just doing imitations because obviously they know what funny is because they watch comedy shows, all those guys that just repeat bits from standups, you know? Yeah. Like I, I've, I've met tons of guys like that. And like at the end of the day, if they study the formula, they can copy the formula. If they watch Robin Williams, they can do a Robin Williams impression. So they know how to achieve that goal. But as far as like genuinely like finding something funny and then just saying it out loud or creating, being original, uh, I think that is something that is maybe not necessarily you're born with it, but you definitely figure it out at an early age. And it's almost inextricable or it's almost like a personality type where you are constantly like, figuring out what's funny about it and then pitching it or, or finding new ways to approach mm-hmm. it. And ch- I guess you're kind of like challenging it where you're like, I want to find, I want to find new ways of being funny. I don't want to just, you know, do Borat quotes the whole time. Right. Pretty good though. I mean, look, the guy set up the, the <laughs> template, he defined a such humor for a generation. Can't say enough. Yeah. Uh, I, it's interesting. I, as a kid, I was doing a lot of voices and impressions of imitating people, yeah. imitating my friends much. So that's something that you did. Chagrin. So uh, I guess that's, yeah, that's something I really wanted to ask. You've been funny since you were a child. I don't know if I was funny, but I know that I was, I was, I couldn't help it. I, I liked, uh, I think I'm, I was interested in like just mimicry and um, accents specifically. Uh, Any problematic ones? <laughs> <laughs> I'm <just kidding. laughs> I said I was an Anglophile. I was a, doing British accents. But uh, yeah, I I liked finding my place as the clown. I I have memories of uh, after school, I would, my my friends would come over when I was a kid and I, we had like a little keyboard in my room. And there's that like the preset, the sound effects, the mute, well, just like the little beat that could go yeah and i once did a bit where i would like i was like check this out i played it and then i did like a dumb dance for a long time and then uh every single time after that my friends would make me do that and it's kind of shitty because they'd be like dance yeah do your little dance um and you were just happy to have an audience and i was like all right time (laughs) to do my dance and i think you it is helpful if you were a kid who was like willing to do stuff like yeah. that. That's maybe the nature of it. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit of an exhibitionist or uh, an attention. 
<laughs> no, or like comfortable with some attention. But I think that you can build out like those specifics you were talking about before. You can build that out by being curious about the world, mm -hmm. by reading and watching movies. I think watching movies is so important to improv. I mostly rip off movies when I um, am panicking and can't figure out like what the game is. I'm like, well, time to force my own <laughs> game. <laughs> Ever seen Liar Liar? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the pen is royal blue. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think being curious can make you funny and watching funny people can make you funny. And it helps if you were a little freak kid too. I think you just uh, like totally speaking about debate, counter argumented me into what I was gonna say. <laughs> okay. Cause what I, I, what I always kind of felt and, and uh, uh, speaking to that, like I was also that kid, everybody thought I was so annoying. I thought it was, and honestly I was annoying, but- I wanna clarify, they didn't think I was annoying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't put us together. No, 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 no. They didn't think you're annoying. <laughs> But I, I, for me, it was also like a hunger to like, I want to make people laugh. Mm. So it wasn't like I was trying to bug them. It was so much just like, I'm, I'm testing material on an unwilling audience. <laughs> you know, how about this? Is this funny? This is funny? But now that you say that, it, there is, you know, and again, this is not lumping in you. This is maybe not. Right, you. right, right. But there Thank was you. like a validation, attention seeking. There's a lot of things in there that was just like, I need to be told I'm funny or I need to get the laugh. And like my, what I was going to say is like, there are some people that are like never funny off stage. It's like on stage, they're so funny you get off stage and they're just like quiet mm. and like serious and like, yeah. I worry I'm like that. You can do that. <laughs> but, and I, I was going to say, yeah, like, I don't, I don't think they are funny, but now this is, now this confirms to me, oh no, they are funny. They just don't have a debilitating like hunger for it. <laughs> well, now wait a minute. <laughs> there are some people that I've, I have wondered like, why are you doing this? You don't seem to ever feel any joy or like want to laugh or whatever. Then yeah. that, that translates in their play and it's not pleasant to watch, I think. Yeah. If you're not laughing at my jokes, you're not meant for this business. You have to want to laugh, <laughs> yeah. uh, says someone who primarily breaks in every single scene I've ever done. I'm laughing because I need to. But I think the funniest people, this might be a different topic. Okay, like, okay. I think the funniest people break because they love improv so much and they're they're so delighted by it they're delighted by their scene part of yeah. themselves i think it's so hard and i have a lot of respect for people that can do this the ones that are just like you just set a bomb and they're just like the ones who can do that i'm like that's the next that's the next level that's acting uh because i i'm gonna i'm not gonna be the genre character anymore if you said something so fucking funny i'm i can't just keep doing it the silly accent uh we gotta acknowledge how funny that was but back to the other thing i i think it's i'm i'm contradicting myself what is what you're picking up on because there is there are elements of nature there are elements of nurture but i think we underestimate the nurture and we can create an environment or, or we can just train ourselves to pick up on these things yeah, yeah, I wasn't trying to gotcha. I didn't, no. I didn't realize I was contradicting you. I kind of contradict contrary. myself. No, I am. No, I even <laughs> said I was, okay. So it sounds like obviously like most things in life, it's a combination. You need of some self-awareness, yeah. I will say. Uh, if you're, if you are not uh, t just by nature, 
funny and you're like, I'm going to be funny. Mm -hmm. You need to be a little bit self-aware, I think. And I think you also made a really good point where it's like, you need to watch movies, watch, listen to stand up, go see shows because the other big thing, my big thing about like comedy and just like whether they are serious about it or not, it's like, what's your taste? And you won't know your taste unless you're exploring mm -hmm. things, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think, again, I think we were around the same time, like Anchorman defined a generation yeah. of like comedy for us because we all saw it at the, like a formative age and we're like, yeah, that's what's funny. Like big characters, uh, you know, like big situations, heightened realities. Yeah. And that's what kind of told us like, yeah, this is my taste down world. And then uh, uh, Judd Apatow, you know, Wow. made all those movies <laughs> yeah. you know because uh, he capitalized on like us craving like that new voice or whatever yeah weirdly like the comedies don't inform improv for me it's always uh weird genre movies that are helpful action movies or really? like yeah like it's so helpful to have seen Predator. It's way more helpful to have seen Predator than it is to have seen Anchorman to do good improv I think Okay. Hot take. <laughs> all right. Well, all those years of watching uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell has just been wasted, I guess. But Dude. you're right, because then you do just like you mentioned, or like we both mentioned, you're just doing an impression of Will Ferrell, which is going to work for your first show or for your one on one right. class. But when you're like deep into it, six months in, you can't just keep pulling out that uh, Ferrell. No, impression. you're going to want to pull out the whole plot of Heat. You're gonna. I've, I've done a million scenes about heat at this point, and they're all different somehow. Because that uh, movie's two and a half. Because that movie's long. two and a half hours long, and every minute is perfect. And I, I think I was, I just was talking about heat to someone else, so it keeps coming up. This is like the third time we talked about heat. If this is the fiftieth time I've talked about. I know. Heat. I'm not that is that your favorite film? No, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> It just struck me because I think I watched it in a, in a dark time. Um, but <laughs> it's sort of like deeply embedded now in my brain. But I think it's helpful to watch weird and mm -hmm. uh, specific movies, every movie specific. Yeah. It adds it adds a variety or diversity to your, um, like what you bring to the stage. So Texture you... and also that like tropes are accessible to you in that way. So yeah. you're able to... Um, just yeah tap into what it should look like so it's not so goofy i think mm -hmm. people famously like trial scenes are so impossible to do in improv mm -hmm. right because no one actually in the end knows how the trial works mm -hmm. and then it's like every trial scene you ever see is someone being like wait are you the judge <laughs> who's who's that guy? And then it's like, I'm a stenographer, whatever. Uh, but hey, movies are helpful to- <laughs> as a stenographer. It's okay to sit in the back line. We don't need a stenographer. <laughs> name me one film, even name me like a legal procedural, like Law and Order. <laughs> name me one time the stenographer's had a line. No, <laughs> I- even shown on camera. I think it's valid to be the stenographer. I, I just mean I movies. don't think so. <laughs> you don't, I, I don't, yeah, I don't speak for my- but if you, it's like, it's one of those things that's like always bugging where it's like, hey, like, I know this is a restaurant. We don't need a waiter right now. I've had million, a million, like, you know, 90% uh, uh, of the meal, the waiter's not involved in that. <laughs> Somehow improv will have you believe that the waiter's there. The exactly. <laughs> that you eat. That's really funny. Uh, 
I've, I think they're helpful to like access. Well, you know what? I'm just speaking from my perspective as truly I feel I function as an alien encountering a uh, human life for the first time. That's just how I live my life. I don't understand things and interactions. So very often it's very helpful for me to pull from movies. Uh, I sound like... <laughs> But like Nicole Kidman. I, I'm like, I, oh yeah, we come here for magic. I think they're, it's nice to have a shared language, basically. That's what they grant you, an automatic shared language. Whereas oftentimes the thing that you find funny might be actual gibberish to other people. Yeah. I, that happens to me a lot where I say something and everyone's like, what, mm-hmm. what? And I'm like, we all noticed the same thing I thought. So I'm going to like agree with you, but then I'm going to like add one more thing. Cause mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. Having that shared language, understanding the tone or understanding what's supposed to happen yes. in this scene is so important. But I think that the actual comedy, that's the funny part is when you know how to like, okay, so since this is the base reality, mm-hmm. how do we deviate? How do we find a heightened moment? You want to subvert it. Absolutely. So uh, while I think that is really important, I'm not going to like downplay that. I do think it's so important to like know all these different genres and tones and mm-hmm. situations how do you think one learns how to be funny one like you could do like there's so many people that study Shakespeare can do Shakespeare but how do you now do like a funny a parody almost of Shakespeare yeah I think it's a combination of you endeavor to do Shakespeare literally yeah. to just do it mm-hmm. and also um, a false sense of confidence where you for, for me, when I step out, I'm pretty anxious. Uh, I think I said the word anxious maybe a hundred times, but you, I step out and I immediately try to embody a very false sense of calm that I do not have. Mm-hmm. And that gives the audience, I think, some assurance that I have some idea. I don't. I'm literally just taking a beat, taking a second to figure that out. And then you add to that, like, if I literally were to recreate Predator without trying to subvert it, without making any, with, without doing anything, mm-hmm. it would be still funny because even in my attempt to be accurate, I couldn't. Because you're going to make, at some I'm, point, some type of human mistake. At some point, as the first, I like, step one would be a mistake and the whole thing is going to be riddled with mistakes mm-hmm. and you're going to like lose the thread completely. But it's knowing which of those mistakes I think to prod or to, oops, yeah, to like label and then to like uh, uh, play out because yeah, uh, uh, you could just do bad predator. I don't yeah. think that that is going to be always a success. It can be a success, right? But I think I don't know why I'm like pushing hard for that because I actually think I use this as almost a last resort. Like I like to pepper it into sets when it's unexpected and oh, I'm making a connection. Interesting. This is all taking place. Um, I don't know. On a boat. Yeah. Okay. We could do the Jaws thing here, I guess. But generally, that's not the goal. I don't step out trying to like recreate. I think this is me more speaking to the fact that I like to see genre and I want to see more. Of course. Yeah. And, and I like when I get to do it. It's very fun. But most of my sets are very much like, mom. <laughs> What the heck, mom? <laughs> Which I actually hate. This is your bad I'm, sick. <laughs> I'm sick of these uh, child scenes that yeah. we're seeing. Well, I think to pull a more specific example, this is a scene that I saw 
shagged you. Mm -hmm. I think you may have initiated, but it may not be. But it was uh -oh. like, you know, uh, like, hey, ladies, let's get ready for this heist. And <laughs> because sounds like it might have been you, I would do. <laughs> but everybody, you know, again, they have the instant recognition of like, okay, great. Now we're just going to do the, the tropes or some of the archetypes mm -hmm. of like, uh, um, a heist movie, but the comedy, in my opinion, has not started yet. I think it's almost kind of fucked up if they start laughing right away because it's like these six women could never do a heist. Like, I think it's mm. kind of funny. <laughs> women <laughs> stealing. Uh, but 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 then I believe, if I remember correctly, there was there was like a very human moment where it was like like hey like like whatever whatever can happen with a group dynamic and to me that's the funny part the funny part is that you can group dynamic now inserted into a heist genre mm -hmm. but it's finding the how to know like when like hey we could literally just do like a sincere heist movie we can do driver we can do demolitions but as soon as someone's just like hey susie can i talk to you over here for a second? yeah <laughs> um last week i saw nicole Wait, you know she's uh, she's yeah sorry i'm just like <laughs> But like, uh, uh, yeah, she took my hair clip. I, I had a pink hair clip. Okay, interesting hair clip. women only talk you about hair clips. She's, uh, <laughs> all right, let me tell you. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I told Susie I got a new uh, a Glock. Job. <laughs> a new Glock. And now she has a new Glock. And then I got a new uh, Kevlar vest. And now she has a new Kevlar vest. Is she copying me? Like knowing to take that moment of like mm -hmm. humanity and realness and putting it into an improv, like into that world. I think that's the part that is funny. I think that's the part that like, how do you teach that? Or I think that comes from like, either a mastery of like being able to think like, you can think twice. You get like, think like, you know, hey, what are high specifics? And then once you find something that's not specific, finding a way to insert it yeah. while still like juggling this. I think that's really hard. I think that's the part that's nurture and taught versus if we were all just doing a heist and then someone's just like, I know it would be funny Yeah, if I just started. You know, so they're not juggling. They're not doing the math. Yeah. They're just like, I'm ready for this heist. Let's get some clown noses. <laughs> Wait, why do you want to do clown noses? I saw in the movie once. I saw Joker's, you know, so like, that's what bank robbers have, right? Bank robbers have clown noses. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this mine. is the person, this is the nurture person, the nature person. This is the nature person. <laughs> nature person. Nature person. Okay. You couldn't uh, tell. Uh -oh. I couldn't tell. <laughs> Spoiled by a whole, by a whole thing. No. I guess it comes from, yeah, uh, uh it's almost like a, it's how quickly come up with it or just how unrelated it is, right? Because you could do the math of like, what doesn't belong? What would be unusual in a high scene yeah. versus someone that's just like, it's almost like a piratey move to be like, um, I'm going to use my money to buy a horse. You got to listen. You need to listen. You need to hear what people are saying and you need to overcome the little demon in your ear that's like, it would be funny if I came in and just did a voice. Uh, you you have to help people. But it would be funny. <laughs> Obviously, the 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 improv training is yeah. like now everybody like clock that. But then now that person needs to like okay, I know I may have like took, taken a little focus. But now it's time to like rest or like now I got to think like let them do some stuff and let me find a way to heighten my game. Yeah. They labeled it. They called it out. I have the game now. I have the responsibility to play the same game. Otherwise, I'm gonna throw everybody off. It's so nice when uh, you see support moves that are just meant to, to help the game that are in and out, uh, that isn't a person changing, altering a scene completely. I think that's like a gift. That's very hard to do. Mm -hmm. And I want to do more of that where it's where you're not like asserting yourself and your ego and whatever. You're just coming in, helping, moving some things around and then stepping out or something I've seen you do very well a lot. 
Thank you. I, I try. I will say when I see a scene absolutely like kind of dying, that's when I'm like, all right, time to pretend I was here the whole time, do a weird voice and have a little secret that I've been just like, you know, and then, then that's when I do the tricks where I'm like, all right, let's do the stuff that I do that makes me happy. Uh, but it's only when the scene is dying. I think it's cruel to come in on something that's fun and, and is starting to be built and to just be like, and now I'm here. <laughs> uh, yeah. I sang right now. Sing? I just sang. I bet you didn't see that coming. Oh. Singing on this podcast. Should I edit that out? Should I leave it in? <laughs> Up to you. Um, great. Uh, any other, anything else you wanted to explore about like uh, teaching funniness or how to like build those skills? I think we've explored every angle, contradicted ourselves at about 10 times. Come out inconclusive. Yeah. Turns out uh, uh, we don't know. We don't answers. know. We wish it could be taught, but maybe we feel deep down a little bit you needed you need something but no it can't be taught. that's true we should end this by prefacing that or not what's the opposite when it's um at the end not a preface it's a forfice forfice here's a nice little footnote um uh, uh, uh maya is someone who has been funny since she was a child or at least tried to be i'm also someone that's like was like as a child like very funny at least tried to be so obviously tried to be tried to be operative. so we have like a bias to think like well we were special we were born with it i've had it since i was three years old so we don't actually know um, it probably would have been better to talk about this with someone who, okay, no, here, here's what it is. I learned to be funny, but as a child, I wasn't actually funny. I was willing to be a fool. And I think that you have to have the, uh, the ability to humiliate yourself as a child. And if you grew up mm. and you were not willing to embarrass yourself a little bit, uh, by doing a silly voice or doing a silly dance it doesn't have to be those things, then it's going to be a little harder for you because you will encounter this. You're going to feel humiliated no matter what. So yeah. it's a sort of exposure there. I'm sorry to like contradict you all the time. <laughs> no. But that's such a, like a, a, a kind of a negative way of putting it. I want to, I want to prop you. I want to build oh, yeah. you up. Right, 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 You're right, also right. putting me down a little bit. No, what are you talking <laughs> so about? I think actually. I'm going to defend myself. No, I think that's the, the coolest thing ever is to destroy your ego mm -hmm. and say, I'm gonna be the silly freak and I don't care how it makes me look. I think uh, that's like uh, the most powerful thing in the world is to take on that role. That's, uh, that's totally my ego talking. So this is just my ego talking <laughs> here. Uh, I think that you and I were just born special <laughs> with raw, unfiltered comedic talent. But what we needed, we needed to be filtered. We needed to hone that. We need to take all this power that we have and then learn how to put it uh, uh, within the confines of comedy in a way that other people can understand and, uh, and play along with. So that's, that's just my, that's you. And that's you. <laughs> and that's on you. I'm trying I, to, I'm trying to prop you up though. I'm trying to say I you don't that claim too. that. I, uh, don't, I don't know. It's hard also when your whole family, like doesn't actually think you're that funny and people they're like, Oh, huh. You're doing, you do improv. I wish, uh, I, 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 uh, hopefully one day I hope your family sees how <laughs> talented you are and they'll prop you up. And I hope that one day your inner voice sounds a little bit more like mine. I, hope, I honestly need my inner voice to sound a little bit <laughs> more like yours and just be like, Hey, relax. You're not that great. Yeah. Well, one day. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. So, uh, you probably noticed that.
the backgrounds change, the lighting's change, Molly's <laughs> cameras. The fray. So what had happened was uh, yesterday we were so caught up in our conversation that we forgot to uh, do one of our segments. Uh, so we're filming it now a full 26 hours later. How are you doing, Mai? I'm good. Uh, excuse the shaky cam. This is just me holding my phone. <laughs> so uh, no worries. Uh, you look great and, and you look very vertical. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks uh, for having way, me back. Thank you so much for yeah meeting up again for like a whole another session of this. I love it. I love to talk improv. All right. So, so uh, this segment is called Hot Improv Takes. And in this segment, uh, we're going to just take turns just ranting about an uh, improv trend that we've been seeing lately. Something that we either want to see more of, less of, or like is the right amount and we want it to stay that way forever. Would you like me to go first or would you like to go first? Um, you can go first. All right, great. Hot improv take. Go see more shows. Your <laughs> exposure to improv can't just be whatever your team is doing or what your class is doing. Because when you do that, you're limited to the best improviser in the room. Uh, and I'm sure that person's really good. But when you go see shows, you're now going to open up your horizons and you're going to see the best improver, improviser in the theater, maybe in the city. So go see more shows. Uh, you know, Beatles would listen to uh, uh, Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys would listen to whoever they were competing with. So like, who do you think you are? I don't care if you are Amy Poehler or any of the UCB4, like you still gotta see shows because even if you're at the best, you just gotta see what everyone else is doing these days so that you can get better or that so you can change and adapt to what they're doing. So that's my hot improv take. Uh. I agree. Um, okay, hot improv take. Uh, if you're doing a support move, make sure you're supporting. Uh, don't step in just because you have a fun thing, a fun tangent that's just gonna kind of make you feel good. Uh, consider your scene partners, consider the people out there who are struggling or, or whatever they're dealing with. Don't just come in and bulldoze. This is a note to myself as well, because I think we're all, guilty of that at some point but I'm seeing it and it's not fun oh don't oversaturate yourself in the show just kind of help where you need to help and then do your scenes um great point to bring it back to what we were talking about yesterday oh no is a is a waiter helpful or is a stenographer helpful oh yeah I actually say yes yes because that it still fits into the world of the scene I think if you're if you're joining in and you are uh, like manufacturing an unusual and I, I I think that's another thing like kind of pre-made unusual where you're like doesn't matter kind of what you're being given you've already decided what your little game is I don't I don't like that I don't like to play against that and I don't like to see that other and other side of the coin it is helpful sometimes to have some things in your pocket <laughs> see this is the problem about doing hot takes with me i'm just devil's advocate and i'll <laughs> i'll flip um yeah i'm not to be trusted so on the one hand don't come in and just like take over on the other hand it's fun sometimes to have a little secret that you <laughs> you know that your character has make of that what you will uh, great. You know what? That was a scalding hot take. Thank you so much, Mai, uh, for dialing back in uh, and, and giving us your hot take. 
Um, you want to say hi to the the past, you and me? Uh, you guys, you're doing great. <laughs> Keep it up. All right. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, we're going to go ahead and now throw it back to the past for our plugs. Uh, it is now time for our final segment. We got to wrap this. Wow. We got to wrap this. We got to wrap this up, but this is going to be something short and easy. I'm just going to ask you to plug, uh, away, plug any shows that you have or anything you want to promote. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, okay. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Lloyd Knight at UCB first and third Mondays, 10 PM. Kit. Perfect time for an improv show. $5. Perfect. $5. Come watch some people be funny, hopefully. And uh, we got We Improv, of course. That's Fridays at the clubhouse. Uh, I perform there with different teams. And it's the best. You're going to have so much fun. And yeah. Uh, oh, what else? These are my plugs. <laughs> hey, these are my plugs. All right, great. Um... <laughs> Uh, for me, yeah, uh, at David D. Long on Instagram. Uh, I'm also going to be up Lloyd Nights, first and third Mondays. And I also have a show. If you're watching this today, I have a show tonight at the Shared Experience Studio. That's going to be in the Lyric Hyperion at uh, 9.30. And that ticket price is actually going to be $12. So it's actually, according to my math, uh, 120% funnier than Lloyd based on price alone. <laughs> it has to be otherwise you don't get your money's worth right 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 um all right great uh I, I actually and um anything else you wanted to say before we wrap up no <laughs> i feel good about everything i said yeah all right well my uh thank you so much for uh coming on and being a guest for our sophomore episode wow Had a great time talking to you, getting to know you a little bit better, and hopefully you did too. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. (laughs) Great job. Thank you so much. Oh.